Thank you for standing by, and welcome to Zscaler's first quarter 2024 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentations, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question at that time, please press star 11 on your telephone. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to your host, Mr. Bill Choi, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations and Strategic Finance. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Zscaler First Quarter Fiscal Year 2024 Earnings Conference Call. On the call with me today are Jay Chowdhury, Chairman and CEO, and Remo Canessa, CFO. Please note that we have posted our earnings release and a supplemental financial schedule to our Investor Relations website. Unless otherwise noted, all numbers we talk about today will be on an adjusted non-GAAP basis. You will find the reconciliation of GAAP to the non-GAAP financial measures in our earnings release. I'd like to remind you that today's discussion will contain forward-looking statements, including but not limited to the company's anticipated future revenue, calculated billings, operating performance, gross margin, operating expenses, operating income, net income, free cash flow, dollar-based net retention rate, future hiring decisions, remaining performance obligations, income taxes, earnings per share, our objectives and outlook, our customer response to our products, and our market share and market opportunity. The statements and other comments are not guarantees of future performance, but rather are subject to risk and uncertainty, some of which are beyond our control. These forward-looking statements apply as of today, and you should not rely on them as representing our views in the future. We undertake no obligation to update these statements after this call. For a more complete discussion of the risks and uncertainties, please see our filings with the SEC as well as in today's earnings release. I also want to inform you that we'll be attending the UBS Global Technology Conference tomorrow. Now, I'll turn the call over to Jay. Thank you, Bill. I'm pleased to share our first quarter results, which exceeded our guidance across all metrics. We delivered 40% revenue growth and 34% billings growth. Our operating profit and free cash flow more than doubled year over year, and free cash flow margin reached a record 45%. We exceeded the rule of 60 for the 13th consecutive quarter at a significant scale of $2 billion plus in ARR we are delivering a unique combination of high growth and high profitability that only a few SaaS companies have accomplished. In Q1, we executed well in a challenging macro environment and what is typically a slower quarter for us. The elevated scrutiny of large deals remains mostly unchanged. The increased frequency of high-profile breaches, coupled with impending SEC disclosure requirements, has propelled Zero Trust Security more into focus at the management and the board level. Against this backdrop, we achieved a Q1 record for number of new logo customers with over $1 million in ARR. We also achieved a record for new pipeline generation in a quarter. More customers are adopting our broader platform to consolidate multiple point products, increasing our average deal size. As a result, we are actively working on more large, multi-year, multi-pillar opportunities than ever before. To meet this demand and to further scale our business, we're adding two key go-to market leaders, one in sales and one in marketing. I will provide details about these new executives after reviewing our Q1 performance. 
Let me highlight three factors that drove our strong Q1 performance. First, large new logo wins were strong this quarter with a Q1 record of 14 new logos contributing over $1 million ARR. We ended with 468 such customers, up 34% year over year. These wins spanned across many verticals, proving that every vertical needs Zscaler. Second, customers are buying the broader Zscaler platform with multiple product pillars. I have said before, over time, I believe every one of our customers will buy ZIA, ZPA, and ZDX for every user to deliver secure, fast, and reliable access to any application anywhere. This quarter, nearly half of our new logo customers purchased all three user pillars, ZIA, ZPA, and ZDX. In addition, strong platform upsells drove our 120% dollar-based net retention rate. Third, this was a record U.S. federal quarter, with new business up over 90% year-over-year, including four deals that are greater than $1 million in ACV. We are starting to see larger awards as multiple U.S. federal agencies are standardizing on Zscaler to meet the president's executive order to adopt Zero Trust Security. We are extremely proud of having landed 12 of the 15 cabinet-level agencies as our customers, where we have plenty of opportunity to expand. For example, at a cabinet-level agency, we expanded the ZI and CPA deployment from 25,000 users to 100,000 users, while cross-selling CDX for all 100,000 users. We also won a top defense integrator who purchased ZIA, ZPA, and ZDX for its employees. In parallel, they launched a go-to-market service to take Zscaler to their federal customers. As our SI partners are selling and deploying Zscaler for their customers, they are also adopting Zscaler to make their own business secure, agile, and competitive. From my conversations with hundreds of IT executives, it's clear that cybersecurity is the number one IT spending priority. Adopting zero-trust architecture and protecting their enterprise from Gen AI risks are top priorities for CISOs in 2024. We have enhanced our data protection policies for AIML applications and tools to protect our customers' risk of data loss due to increasing use of Gen AI. Our AI-powered threat protection uses a diffusion model to detect complex exploits and to catch sophisticated phishing attacks that evade traditional security controls. These AI-driven features are included in our Advanced Plus bundles, which are often priced 20% higher than Advanced bundles. We now secure, on average, over 2 billion AI transactions every month for our customers. Next, let me discuss some of our Q1 deals which demonstrate our differentiation and business value. We are starting to see some wins where customers are coming to us after initially purchasing a firewall-based single-vendor SASE solution that failed to deliver in the real world. For those who are not familiar, Firewall-based single-vendor SASE is a combination of SD-WAN and firewall and VPN deployed as VMs in the cloud. 
a leading software company made an architectural shift to our zero trust exchange platform after trying to deploy a leading firewall vendor SASE solution across 50 office locations and multiple public cloud sites. It became clear to the customer that this solution expanded their attack surface to all locations and increased the risk of lateral threat movement. They decided to move to our zero trust security with the purchase of Zscaler for users, our complete bundle for ZIAs, ZPA, and ZDX for all 25,000 employees. Our zero trust exchange connects users directly to apps, eliminating attack surface and lateral threat movement. For unmanaged devices, the customer is deploying our browser isolation with ZPA to enable third parties to access their applications. Deals like this reinforce our conviction that firewall-based SASE solutions are not the future of security that some analysts advocate. Customers are choosing Zscaler's purpose-built zero-trust platform. Let me highlight one new logo win where our superior security helped the customer after a breach. Despite extensive investments in firewalls and VPNs, a hospitality and gaming company experienced a crippling ransomware breach. To restore their operations, they purchased the entire Zscaler for users bundle for 25,000 users. With Zscaler, their apps are now hidden from threat actors behind our zero trust exchange and can't be discovered, exploited, or DDoSed. This customer also purchased our new RISC 360 solution to understand the organization-wide risk and to get actionable information to reduce it. We have shared with you that data protection is one of the fastest growing solutions for us. For our customers, after implementing cyber protection, adopting data protection is the natural second phase of their zero trust journey. For example, a Fortune 500 travel and hospitality services provider more than doubled their annual spend with us, with data protection being a critical component of the upsell. Their first purchase was ZIA for 22,000 users to inspect all traffic, including TLS encrypted traffic for cyber protection. As the next step, they are implementing real-time inline DLP for sensitive data. Our solution also enables this customer to enforce policies for secure use of AI applications. These deals highlight the breadth and depth of our zero trust security platform. We also help our customers achieve high ROI by eliminating tech debt and consolidating multiple point products. For example, a Fortune 200 financial services group turned to Zscaler to consolidate data centers and safely adopt cloud with the necessary security controls for regulatory compliance. They purchased Zscaler for users bundle for 10,000 employees and workload communication for 1,500 workloads. By leveraging our cloud platform, they will eliminate half of the data centers, reduce their MPLS spend, and consolidate security and networking point products. We are eliminating several point products, including secure web gateways, firewalls, IPS appliances, VPNs, CASB, and DLP from seven security vendors. This deal is expected to generate a remarkable 5X ROI for the customer.
I'm also excited to share that ZDX, one of our emerging pillars, continues to gain significant customer adoption. It is an important part of every deal conversation due to its unique ability to eliminate IT blind spots. CDX significantly reduces helpless hours spent on ticket resolutions and manual correlation of metrics. Let me highlight a new logo deal where CDX played a pivotal role. A top-ranked U.S. hospital network purchased ZIA and CDX Advanced Plus for 87,000 users and CPA for 40,000 users. What initially began as a ZIA and CPA project quickly evolved into a significant ZDX opportunity. The ZDX component alone is seven figures in ACV. Unlike their existing performance tools, ZDX provides comprehensive visibility and root cause analysis for users, devices, and applications. This deal is a great example of the leverage we gain from working with system integrators like Accenture, who was awarded this overall transformation project. We're also seeing strong customer interest in workload protection on other emerging product pillar. Our Zero Trust Exchange is designed for any-to-any -any secured communication. It may be users to apps, workload-to-workload, -workload, or IoT-OT devices. Thousands of enterprises already leverage Zscaler platform for secure user-to-app communication. It is natural for them to extend our Zero Trust platform to secure their workload communication. To radically simplify multi-cloud connectivity and automated deployment of workload protection at scale, we recently released significant enhancements to our workload communications offering, including granular workload segmentation using AWS user-defined tags, the first zero-trust security solution for workloads in the market. The only alternative is legacy virtual firewalls. And real-time auto-discovery of cloud resources. More than a third of our customers have made initial purchases for workload protection. Workload communication often starts with small land deals, and we expect to rapidly expand to secure the growing number of workloads. Zscaler pioneered Zero Trust and SASE, both delivered via our cloud-native platform. We have established ourselves as the premier provider for user protection and are now making progress, expanding into workload protection and IoT OT protection. We continue to push the boundaries of what our platform can achieve, extending it for B2B and 5G use cases. As we are like a switchboard for all communications, we collect full transaction logs and trillions of signals daily. We are utilizing those signals and logs to deliver AI-powered insights and automation for our customers. Let me discuss a few of the high-value products in our AI cloud family. We recently launched RISC360, which is the industry's first holistic AI-powered risk quantification and mitigation solution. It delivers up-to-date risk posture and recommends corrective actions to mitigate risk in a timely fashion. We have already closed 10 plus RISC 360 deals and are in active evaluations with over 100 enterprises. For these deals, we are getting six-figure ACV on average, and we expect to grow this value over time.
RISC 360 provides critical insights to CISOs when reporting on cybersecurity risk, strategy, and governance, particularly in light of new SEC regulations. Another exciting new product, Breach Predictor, currently under development, uses predictive and generative AI models to anticipate potential breach scenarios and eliminate those risks before they materialize. Early feedback from customers who have previewed Breach Predictor indicates the enormous potential value this solution can deliver. We are working with our technology partners to bring this world-class innovation to thousands of customers to proactively protect against potential breaches. While we have achieved tremendous success for user protection solutions, our platform's potential in other categories is just beginning. Our relentless innovations have paved the way for an ever-growing stream of opportunities. As our platform continues to scale and expand, our go-to market efforts are continuing to evolve and scale as well. To enable the next stage of go-to market scaling, I'm excited to share the appointments of two exceptional leaders, Mike Rich as CRO and President of Global Sales, and Joyce Kim as CMO. They bring a wealth of experience in driving revenue and pipeline growth. Mike joins from ServiceNow, where, as the President for Americas, he established an efficient and scalable process to drive deeper engagements to large enterprises and to scale their business to over $8 billion in revenue, an experience that's critical to the next phase of our growth journey. Joyce's previous experience includes CMO roles at Twilio, Genesis, and Arm, with expertise in building high-performance marketing teams and driving impactful marketing strategies and campaigns. With Mike assuming leadership of our sales organization, Dolly, in his capacity as a COO, can focus on scaling our business operations. Dolly has been instrumental in establishing the go-to-market process, which has helped Zscaler achieve a milestone of $2 billion in ARR. With our expanded portfolio of products and experienced CRO and CMO on board, we will further scale our value-led sales process for larger platform deals, which will sustain our high growth. I'm thrilled to have strong go-to-market leaders who we believe will drive world-class execution to scale our business beyond $5 billion in ARR. Now, I'd like to turn over the call to Remo for our financial results. Thank you, Jay. Our Q1 results exceeded our guidance on growth and profitability, even with ongoing customer scrutiny of large deals. Revenue was $497 million, up 40% year-over-year, and up 9% sequentially. From a geographic perspective, Americas represented 53% of revenue, EMEA was 32%, and APJ was 15%. As Jay highlighted, from a new business perspective, Federal had its best new ACV quarter ever, growing over 90% year-over-year. Our new ACV outside of the Fed also grew year-over-year. Our total calculated billings in Q1 grew 34% year-over-year to $457 million. On a sequential basis, total billings declined 37% quarter-over-quarter with a difficult comparison to Q4, which had a $20 million upfront billing on a multi-year deal. As a reminder, our contract terms are typically one to three years. We primarily invoice our customers one year in advance. Our calculated current billings 
grew 33% year-over-year at a seasonal decline of 32% quarter-over-quarter. Our remaining performance obligations, or RPO, grew 30% from a year ago to $3.49 billion. The current RPO is approximately 51% of the total RPO. We ended Q1 with 468 customers with greater than $1 million in ARR, adding 19 such customers in the quarter. 14 of the 19 $1 million ARR customer ads were new logos, which is a record for Q1. The continued strength of this large customer metric speaks to the strategic role we play in our customers' digital transformation initiatives. We also entered the quarter with 2,708 customers with greater than $100,000 in ARR. Our 12 months trailing dollar-based net retention rate was 120%. Turning to the rest of our Q1 financial performance, total gross margin of 80.7% compares to 80.7% in the prior quarter and 81.4% in the year ago quarter. Higher public cloud usage for emerging products drove the year-over-year change in the gross margin, partially offset by approximately 60 basis points of benefit from a change in accounting attributed to the longer useful life of our cloud infrastructure. As mentioned last quarter, as a result of advances in technology and efficiencies in how we operate our server and network equipment, starting this quarter, we extended the depreciable useful life of these assets in our cloud infrastructure from four to five years. Moving on, our total operating expenses increased 11% sequentially and 26% year-over-year to $311 million. We continue to generate significant leverage in our financial model with operating margin reaching 18%, an increase of approximately 620 basis points year-over-year. Our free cash flow margin was 45%, including data center capex of approximately 6% of revenue. Free cash flow benefited from strong collections from Q4 billings, including the $20 million upfront billings I mentioned. We ended the quarter with over $2.3 billion in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments. Next, let me share some observations about the macro environment and our framework for guidance for the rest of the fiscal year. While the global macro environment remains challenging and customers continue to scrutinize large deals, From our perspective, customer sentiment seems to be stabilizing. Our customer engagements remain strong, and we have a large and growing pipeline. However, we want to be prudent in our assumptions given the sales leadership change. In our outlook for fiscal 24, we're balancing our business optimism and continued sales execution with ongoing macroeconomic uncertainties. With that in mind, let me provide our guidance for Q2 in full year fiscal 2024. As a reminder, these numbers are all non-GAAP. For the second quarter, we expect revenue in the range of $505 million to $507 million, reflecting a year-over-year growth of 30 to 31%, gross margins of 80%, including the change in accounting for useful life of server equipment. I would also like to remind investors that a number of our emerging products including newer products like ZDX and Zscaler for workloads, will initially have lower gross margins than our core products. We are currently managing the emerging products for time to market and growth, not optimizing them for gross margins. Operating profit in the range of $84 to $86 million, 
net other income of $15 million, income taxes of $8 million, earnings per share in the range of 57 to 58 cents, assuming 160 million fully diluted shares. For the full year fiscal 2024, we're updating our guidance as follows. Increased revenue in the range of $2.09 billion to $2.1 billion or year-over-year growth of 29 to 30%. Calculated billings in the range of $2.52 billion to $2.56 billion or year-over-year growth of 24 to 26%. We still expect our first half mix to be approximately 42% of our full year billings guide. Increased operating profit in the range of 360 to $365 million, which reflects up to 250 basis points of operating margin improvement compared to last year. Income taxes of $35 million, increased earnings per share in the range of $2.45 to $2.48, assuming approximately 161 million fully diluted shares. We expect our free cash flow margin to be up year over year and in the low 20% range. We continue to expect our data center capex to be high single digit percentage of revenue for the full year, reflecting at three to four percentage points of headwind to free cash flow margins. We expect the timing of capex spend to be more towards the second half of the year as we invest in upgrades to our cloud and AI infrastructure. Our guidance reflects our plans to invest aggressively in our business to pursue our significant market opportunity. With our new CRO and CMO coming on board, we expect to step up our sales and marketing investments in the coming quarters. In addition, we'll increase investments in our technology platform and cloud infrastructure. With a large market opportunity and customers increasingly adopting the broader platform, we plan to invest aggressively to position us for long-term growth while increasing profitability. Operator, you may now open the call for questions. Thank you. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone. Again, to ask a question, please press star 1-1. We do ask that you please limit yourself to one question and then feel free to rejoin the queue. One moment for our first question. Our first question comes from the line of Brad Zelnick. Deutsche Bank, your line is open. Great. Thanks so much, and, and congrats on a strong start to the year and nice to see the leverage in these results. You know, Jay, your distinction in SASE has always been clear, and it's perhaps no more obvious than right now at a time when traditional network security providers are having a tough time selling more and more boxes. And it, it seems they're paying you a nice compliment as they all double down their focus on the cloud and SASE. So as this all plays out competitively and you're increasingly subject to the law of large numbers, how should we think about your ability to sustain high growth and specifically the rate at which you can scale your emerging product portfolio. Thanks. Brad, very good question. It is flattering to see all kind of vendors becoming SASE vendors overnight. Uh, but the challenge for them would be it's a different architecture. It's not an incremental change and in feature you can add on to it. That's where we spent a dozen plus years building a true zero trust architecture, which is our advantage. That's why we became the market leader. We pioneered this market, we evangelized to the fact that this is what's needed for better cybersecurity and ransomware protection and cost reduction. The way I look at uh, to sustain high 
five roles is, is the following. One, is there a market demand came out? The market is growing and expanding at much faster pace than I even thought. Two, do you have the right platform with the right architecture, the right functionality? You've seen us build this platform on a true zero-trust architecture and expand it over the years. Think of what we had at the time of IPO versus what we have today. And the third area is go-to-market execution. We've done a great job, starting with IPO, crossing $2 billion in ARR. And now we got our site set on crossing $5 billion. And we have been growing and adapting go-to-market also, along with the platform, that's why I'm very excited about bringing two key leaders, Mike as CRO and Joyce as CMO, who can help us take us to the next level. Great market execution, great platform. I think we're set. I'm very excited about the opportunity in front of us. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank One you. moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Sakit Kalia of Barclays, your line is open. Okay, great. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my question here. Um, Jay, maybe for you, just building off of that last question on, on some of the slowness that we've seen with, with the traditional uh, network security guys and, and, and the, the challenges with appliances, the question for you is maybe, do you feel like customers are more willing now to replace their appliance firewalls at least at the branch, with with SASE architecture like what Zscaler provides so well? You know, I've said many times, uh, firewalls won't go away, but they will become like mainframes. We have been replacing firewalls at the branches for the last several years. Now that trend is accelerating. In fact, one of the new things is done to help accelerate the demise of firewalls and branches is our branch connector technology, which now we have packaged to make it available so you can become a Starbucks-like office in a matter of minutes rather than trying to wait for a long, long time. So we're seeing the in-campus environment becoming just like that. The only place where firewalls have been playing a significant role for a while is the data center, the east-west traffic and the like. You know, the traffic is going away from the data center and that the demand has to go away. So the, the big thing for someone to do it right had to really offer a Starbucks-like branch with zero trust architecture. Market has made progress with traditional SD-WAN. We think traditional SD-WAN is a transitory technology. And what we have brought to the market with Branch Connector actually is the next big phase to make it simple. Very excited for the opportunity to make the world free of firewalls. Makes sense. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Alex Henderson of Needham & Company. Your line is open. Oh, I'm torn on what to ask, but I think I'll go with the, the question around the channels. Um, so you guys have been doing a lot of work uh, on expanding your VAR channels, uh, expanding reach into federal, expanding reach into MSPs, expanding into the cloud arena as much as possible. Can you give us some sense of 
how you think the the mix of your sales leads will uh, be driven uh, by those different channel opportunities um, uh, as we move through uh, the current fiscal year, please. Sure, Alex, you rightfully said that we don't have a simple straight bar channel that traditionally firewall and, and network security vendors had. We have wars who play a role. We have system integrators and we have service providers. And then there are separate set of SIs for federal business as well. Uh, let's look at each of these areas. Bars were slow to adopt C-Scooter, but now as the market has moved, more and more of them are embracing us. And our leader, Calm, has launched a number of programs where we're seeing very good progress, but new source pipeline coming from our channel. The area um, we see uh, probably a very rapidly growing opportunity is global systems integrators. Actually, my coming from ServiceNow, where a lot of partnership with global SIs have played a big role, I expect that area to accelerate. And then there's next level of fulfillment versus transformation. We like partners who work with us and work with partners, sorry, our customers to do transformation. And we have been selected. You aren't going to find us with 5,000 or 10,000 channel partners. Our partners are hundreds and we are doing targeted programs. We're working with some of the very large global SIs and very large deals to do transformation. I mentioned one of these deals uh, in, in my prepared remarks, and I mentioned another SI who actually brought C-Scooter internal, along with actually launching the service to go out there. Remo, you want to add any more color? <clears throat> no, I think that's good, Jay. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Alex. No, no comment on internal sales? which is obviously a piece of it. Oh, so yeah, so our, we've increased our capacity uh, in the quarter, you know, for, for sales reps. Um, our plan is to, you know, increase capacity through the year. Um, the one comment I'd make on Q1 is that, uh, you know, we were, we did hit our expectations internally, but we expect to, uh, you know, hit, you know, basically our sales targets for the year. Um, the current sales capacity that we have supports our guidance. Um, and as you know, Jay mentioned, you know, with the new leadership, you know, with Mike on board, you know, we'll be looking to, you know, accelerate our hiring as we go through uh, fiscal 24. Great. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Joel Fishpeen. Of Truish, your line is open. Thanks, and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, great uh, execution here, Jay. One for you, and then I'll jump back in queue um, on the uh, on these new Advanced Plus bundles. Um, obviously, very exciting. Just can you share with you? They said AI is included. Some of the new AI apps are included in that. Can you talk about adoption rates and whether or not you're getting any pushback on 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 pricing as it relates to some of those bundles? Yes, so we have had advanced bundles that include a bunch of functionality of ZIA or ZPA type of stuff. Now we have added functionality where some of the data protection can be done with AI advanced techniques. Some of the cyber threat protection can be done using that. So we created these bundles. We call them advanced plus. 
So we're getting very good traction, and these advanced plus bundles are about 20% or so higher than the non-plus bundles. So this is a good area. In fact, this is a good way for us to reach our customers as they're looking at buying these bundles with additional functionality. It's helping them, it's helping us. Now, in addition, we are also creating some standalone SKUs. We talked about RISC 360, a very popular recently introduced product. When I talked about having closed 10 plus deals in a pretty significant manner where the average ACB is sitting in six figures. And then you'll see some more SKUs coming down the road as you really made AI cloud as one of the big focus areas. And the reason we're making focus is because we have better logs, better data to train AI ML models. The starting point of good AI ML is the data that we have better than anybody else. Great, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Rob Owens of Piper Sandler. Your line is open. <laughs> Great. Thanks for taking my question. Maybe building a little bit on Joel's uh, question. You mentioned in your prepared remarks with an example around data protection as kind of one of the faster growing solutions and, and how it doubled spend uh, in an existing customer. Just curious the potential for that and what you're seeing relative to typical uplift when you're able to attach that solution. Thanks. Sure. You know, when C-Scaler customers started working with us, several years ago, the number one focus for them was cyber protection so they don't get compromised. Uh, data protection was slower in adoptions. Data protection also takes a little bit work. There's more configurations and customization needed. And, and in large enterprises where our large customers have been, they've used Semantic 1-2 as one of the primary data protection products. Over the past five, six years ago, we have expanded our data protection platform significantly, not just inline, but CASB, actually endpoint DLP, cloud data protection. All those things, including EDM, IDM technologies are there. So with all that technology, we are in a great position to replace some of those uh, complicated data protection products out there. And it's natural. If we are sitting in traffic path, if we are doing access and inspection, it's natural for the customers to use our cloud because the traffic is coming to a cloud from all kinds of locations. That's really driving our growth. That's why we talked about this data protection ERR is approaching about a quarter of a billion dollars. And it grew 60% year over year for us. And we see a lot of growth for quite a long time in this area. Did I answer your question? Yes, thanks. Thank yeah. you. That's one comment I'll make is we have more comp complete platforms for data protection. And customers want one set of policies, whether they want to secure data at rest or data at motion. That's why uh, it, it take, it's picking up quite fast. Thank you. One moment, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Joseph Gallo of Jeffries. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Appreciate the question. Uh, Remo, appreciate the rationale on the full year billings guide, but just on methodology, is, is there any changes there? I mean, you saw a strong 1Q driven by Fed strength. Why not pass along some of that beat 
Um, is that solely due to the market or the go-to-market change conservatism, or is there anything else you're seeing there with large customer calendar 24 budgets? And then maybe just to simplistically ask, is fiscal 24 billings more or less conservative now than it was 90 days ago? Uh, great, great questions. So, I mean, the, the guide that we gave is solely related to uh, basically the go-to-market with our new sales leadership on board. Um, we feel it's prudent to do that. When you take a look at close rates uh, for Q2 this year versus last year, we're being a little more conservative with our close rates this Q2. Um, from a market overall market perspective, you know the macro still remains challenging, but you know we feel that you know things that there's more of an acceptance to zero trust. There's more of an understanding of our platform, so we feel good. Regarding, you know, uh, guidance, whether it's more conservative now or not, you know, I like to just say, you know, we like being prudent. Um, and, uh, again, it's all related to go to market with our new CRO. And uh, I don't want to comment any further than that. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Gabriella Borges of Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Good afternoon. Thank you. Remo, I wanted to ask you about some of the idiosyncratic drivers in your federal business. And more specifically, as we think about all the momentum that you're seeing now, how should we think about the durability of growth in the federal vertical? Meaning, is this like a three to five year product cycle where we'll see a ramp and then we should be cognizant of a slowdown? Is it an 18 month to 36 month product cycle? How do we think about some of the visibility you have in federal and how it's going to impact your growth over the medium term? Thanks. It's, a, it's another great question, Gabrielle. I'll, I'll start and then maybe Jake can come in also. Yep. Um, We've invested significantly in federal. This is not an overnight, basically, what's occurring. This is occurring over the last five, six years of significant investments, both from a platform, technology, as well as you know, people within the federal organization that, work, that works for us. We're in 12 of the 15 agencies, cabinet agencies. Um, as Jay talked about you know, in the script, our growth rate in federal um, in Q1 was 90% year over year. I feel that we are very well positioned in federal, what we've talked about. We've got an incredibly strong federal team, uh, and I, I feel that you know going forward, federal should be a good driver, potentially significant driver, you know, for Zscaler. Um, and we're doing well in federal turnover, Jack. Yeah, so this, this is how I think about it. First of all, number of users in the federal government, DOD, non-DOD. Yes, we do have 12 to 15 cabinet lab agencies, but they are in various stages. There's a big, big upsell opportunities there itself. Then DOD, we are just scratching the surface out there. So if you look at from number of users' point of view, it's a massive market in front of us because we count number of users. Then there are workloads for federal. There's a whole range of IoT, OT devices in federal business that need to be taken care of. So massive stuff, but then on top of that, it's a platform. Our platform has expanded. It keeps on expanding. So I, I think this is a significant growth opportunity uh, for a long, long time. 
and then DOD takes us to next level, sorry, federal takes to other federal friendly countries out there. They all want to follow. The NATO friendly countries want to adopt what U.S. has done here. That's an opportunity for us. The state governments are getting very, very uh, worried about adopting zero trust. That's another big opportunity for us. So very bullish. We've done some big investments. And that's why we have some of the best certifications for these killer platform than any other company out there. Thank you for the call and congrats on the quarter. Thank you. One moment, please. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Jonathan Ruckenhaver of Cancer Fitzgerald. Your line is open. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so Jay, we, we are seeing this, this convergence between uh, cloud workload protection platforms, CSPM, CIM, um, a lot of other acronyms that are being thrown into this seen app um, kind of bucket. And we're also seeing yep. a number of next-gen vendors um, that seem to have more of a, you know, product-led growth sales motion, you know, aimed at the developer, mm-hmm. which, you know, contrasts with, with your approach, which is more high-touch aimed at the C-level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a product mm-hmm. that sits between build and runtime environments, and, and, you know, you could argue maybe that mm-hmm. portfolio is shifting either even further left. How do you balance those dynamics when you look to go to market with, with your CNAP offering? It's a very good question. So all those four-letter acronyms you came up and we tried to track them. Uh, and there have been 100-plus vendors in that space over the past two years, though. Uh, about a year ago, I used to see a new vendor show up every other day. For the last year or so, it has slowed down, and actually they're shrinking. But there's adjacent type but next to it. That is cloud workload communication. Cloud workload communication is about workloads talking to internet, workloads talking to each other. That's where our core strength comes in the zero trust architecture. We are the only vendor I know of out there where workloads talk to each other through zero trust architecture without being on the network. That's our starting point. Then we look at the CNAP as an extension. To me, CNAP is almost like Caspian in many ways. You read, you make API calls, you're reading logs, you're reading configurations to figure out the risk and whatnot. And that is towards shifting more to the left. We believe that combination of cloud workload protection along with CNAP puts us in a better position. Regarding product net growth, I think that's an interesting opportunity for some of the companies Obviously, we don't come from that side. I haven't seen very many security companies have grown to hundreds of millions of dollars doing product that growth. But we're watching and monitoring the space, but we'll be going from where our strength is. Our large customers love Zscaler for users. Now they're embracing Zscaler for workloads, for communication, and that allows us to extend it to CNAP space as well. That's how we look at it. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Patrick Colville of Scotosia Bank. Your line is open. Hey there. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I mean, really set, really impressive set of results, guys. So, you know, congrats on starting the new fiscal year. 
as you have um, yeah. with, you know, you guys showing very impressive momentum. Um, I guess I wanted to touch on the leadership change. Um, you know, these two new executive level hires, how has Dali's role changed? Is, is he still at the firm or has he moved on? And if so, you know, what, 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 how, does, how um, can we expect his decision to change going forward? Yeah, Dali has an active role as the CEO of the company. He has played a phenomenal role in Cisco's growth. He has seen over the past four years we built a great go-to-market machine that has helped us go past $2 billion in ARR. Now, Mike's goal is to take us from here to $5 billion and beyond. This frees up Dali to focus more in his capacity as a CEO to really help scale our business operations capabilities. Now, what do you mean by that? As we are growing at a rapid pace, we have many things to improve on scaling side up in the operational side. Uh, streamlining our post-sale customer engagements, ranging from support to TAM to deployment to success. How do you bring them together to make it more productive and better streamlined for better value realization of the customers? Second example, we do cash process systems, productivity improvement, streamlining. If we do a better job in these areas, as a company, we'll become a lot more productive. And Dali's experience across the company will help us achieve some of those key things that are needed. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. One moment, please. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of John DeFucci of Guggenheim Securities. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, Jay and, and Remo both spoke about the challenging macro backdrop, and I think Remo, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he said that you did not hit your internal targets for, for 1Q. I, I, what do, I guess, what do you think the reasons for that were? I mean, you have new go-to-market people, and you explained that with the guide, with Joe's question, and sometimes that means the previous people were an issue, but you know, your COO is really good at it, to say the least. I know, I know. Remo said customer sentiment is stabilizing, but I'm not quite sure how that sort of fits in. Has the macro gotten a little worse, or is there something else that I'm not thinking about? Yeah, the, the macro has not gotten worse, and, and the comment John was related to uh, quota carrying reps. So we didn't hit our internal, you know, projections for internal reps. Uh, we do expect to catch up. We talked about, you know, before on earlier calls, we're in a huge market opportunity. We're going to invest significantly in in our company. Uh, you can see in the second half, we're going to, you know, increase our sales and marketing spend, you know, based on our guidance. Uh, that's related to just overall, you know, we've gotten new CMO on board uh, with Mike on board. That's that. That was the gist, you know, of, of the comment. Um, it, it's related basically purely to, um, you know, quota carrying reps. We did increase capacity, but not to the levels we wanted. And from my, my perspective, you know, John, it's really execution on our part. We need to execute better on that. Got it. Thank you, Remo. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Ty Liani. A Bank of America line is open. 
Hi, Liana, please make sure your phone is on. Please make sure your phone is on mute. I'm on. I'm sorry. I pressed on the uh, mute button. Uh, You can hear me now? Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay. RPO growth was slower. Also, the billing guidance uh, was a tad below, although you you hit the quarter. You're above the, the quarter expectations. So I wanted to ask about the discount level contract duration, was there any change in the pricing environment or, or contract duration this quarter that is driving the lower RPOs? And also, how do I think about, I know you don't provide kind of quarterly, but how do I think about first half versus second half in terms of billings and, and uh, uh, RPOs? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, a lot, lot, of, lot of questions in there. Uh, and I, I appreciate you bringing it up, uh, bringing it up. Um, RPO decline, you know, it's primarily related to federal. Federal is a big piece of our business. And when you look at federal, federal contracts, or even though they're multi-year contracts, we only, we only take federal in, in, you know, for one year in, in our CRPO. So that, that was a big driver, you know, for that. When you take out basically federal, uh, you know, out of the, you know, contract duration, Really, contract durations are comparable year over year and also quarter over quarter. Uh, discount levels, no, not really seeing anything, you know, on the discount level perspective. You know, I'd say it's the same and has been the same for a while. Uh, first half, second half, uh, you can expect billings to be, you know, in the 42% range in the first half uh, and, uh, you know, the rest basically in the second half. But the RPO, uh, you know, basically relates to, you know, primarily relates to federal business, which is one year, one year recognized. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Fatima Bulani. A city your line is open. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my questions. Um, Jay, this one's for you. You were very explicit about uh, the, the success in the federal business coming from very strong wins and partnerships with federal SIs. So I wanted to better understand what the moat and differentiation is. And if you can help explain to us why this wouldn't necessarily cannibalize your direct business, which you're executing just fantastically in. So, on direct business versus channel business, almost all of our business is supposed to be channel. <clears throat> a few customers insist that they must do a deal directly with us. So, the channel is supposed to bring leverage. The more channel partners are working closely with us, the more heavy lifting to do, better our productivity, better our sales acceleration happens. So, it's important for us. Now, in a transformation sale like ours, the channel wasn't quite ready there to say, hey, tell me the latest box I'm ready to sell. We had to work with them to show them transformation. Federal government is driving big transformation at all levels. President's executive order is asking for zero trust architecture. And there are a large number of systems integrators in the federal market who actually need technology like ours to make it happen. And in federal, it becomes more interesting as you must have certification up to certain levels. There are uh, FedRAMP certifications at the medium level, at high level, and whatnot, and IL-5. We have done most of them. 
So with certifications, leveraging those system integrators, we are able to drive transformation. And I think it's, we are in very good shape sitting there with a big market, working side by side with our partners. So there's no cannibalization. And did I make it clear or did I miss something? No, that's, that's super clear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Hasma Fodderwaller of Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Hi, good evening. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, Remo, regarding your comment mm -hmm. on the sales changes um, and the impact of the full-year billings guide, just curious, is it, are you anticipating the leadership change will drive a broader restructuring in the sales org like you saw a few years ago when Dolly came on board, or is it going to be more incremental? Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so the leadership we have in our sales organization is very strong, you know, with what Dolly's created. I don't see, you know, significant changes. Maybe, you know, Jay can speak to it, but I, yeah. I don't see significant changes. And, and again, the structure that we've built, you know, under Dolly's leadership was a very strong, basically, structure. Yeah, you know, in many ways, our sales process at Zscut is very similar to service no, sales process. It's consultative. It is top-down selling. It's enterprise focus. Really, so we expect the same kind of stuff to carry on. There needs to be, there will be ongoing refinements, but don't expect any big changes. Some of the things, as I talked to Mike early on, as he's understanding the organization, you'll see probably more focus on top account program. We have a big opportunity to take our large customers and double, triple, and quadruple the ARR with us because our platform supports it. You're going to see more focus on verticals. We already have some level of verticals. Public sector is a vertical for us. Uh, healthcare, you'll see more focus there. You're also going to see more persona focus in our sales stuff. And I mentioned early on, too, you'll probably see more focus on global system integrators as they drive some of the large transformations. But, but no significant changes. Helpful. Thank you. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Matthew Hedberg of RBC. Your line is open. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Um, Ramo, a question for you on the macro. Um, you, you, there's been a couple questions on billings and RPO and, and, and obviously the federal strength, but I guess I, I, maybe I'm just a little confused because when I look back at your Q4 script, you know, when you talked about the macros, you said you noted global uncertainty, but it seemed to me like you, there was a change in tone from your comments here. Uh, I think you said, you know, uh, you noted customer sentiment is starting to stabilize. So I guess I'm just sort of curious, you know, what, what drove that comment that, that things are starting to stabilize versus last quarter when you noted uncertainty and was this something that happened sort of during the quarter or anything that kind of prompted you uh, to, to maybe change the script a bit from, from 4Q? Yeah, I'll let you comment too. Yeah, I think what I commented last time was there's a slight uh, reduction in scrutiny of the deals. So the term I exactly used. I think what we we're seeing now, we're saying there's no change in macro the way we have been seeing. So macro is not playing a role at this stage to say uh, the forecast needs to be assuming macro is not getting any worse than it has been. Thank you. 
Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Shranique Kothari of Baird. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks for taking my question, and, and congrats on the, on the great quarter, Jay Remo. Uh, it's great to see uh, your, your focus on, on large transformative deals in, in top accounts, as you just uh, highlighted, Jay, and the ongoing traction with, with bundled offerings uh, across your, your emerging new products, contributing to the new business. So all, all of that speaks to, to great in-house kind of innovation model that, that you have uh, talked about. Uh, Jay, how do you see uh, the role of, of strategic M&A play in expansion plans, as we are starting to see with, with some others, uh, especially around cloud and data security, and uh, what if any, any potential areas uh, to focus? And, and Remo, can you provide the, the new versus upsell split in the quarter and how it uh, compares to the expected uh, the 40-60 mix? Thanks. Yes, a very good question. So with tighter funding and lots of security companies out there, we're seeing lots of attractive opportunities coming our way. We, we are looking at a number of innovative technologies and strong development teams. It's an option. It's done a number of small ones in the past some time. Uh, yes, there are some areas, interesting technologies, especially in the new world of data and AI kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's an option we're keeping. I think you will not see us trying to buy revenue through an m and You're going to see us buying innovative, disruptive technologies that can help us get to markets sooner, uh, faster is important, and that integrates with our platform. I hate to see acquisition being done where you have standalone products that don't work together with each other, uh, but we, we are actively exploring the areas. There's no reason why we should not be. Yeah, and the new and upsell was uh, 45% new, 55% upsell. Um, on our year-end call, we said we expect upsell to be above 60%. That's still our expectation for the year, but for the quarter, it was 55% uh, upsell. Got it. Thanks a lot, uh, Jan Remo. Appreciate it. Thank you. One moment, please. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Essex of J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon, and thank you for taking the question. Uh, I guess, Rima, I wanted to dig into margins and, you know, specifically maybe gross margins. Um, I mean, you guys are about three times the size you were two and a half years ago, but you've hovered kind of in this just below 81% gross margins, give or take 50 basis points or so. And I appreciate the, the comments you had that emerging products will initially have lower gross margins. I think that's been the case for some time. But how do we think as you continue to grow at an accelerated pace and scale, um, how can we expect that to impact your margins? How are you managing your infrastructure? And then maybe just an adjacent comment on sales and marketing. It seems as though that was quite a bit lower than billing. Did you did you hold back on sales and marketing spend ahead of the arrival of Mike and Joyce? Thank you. Yeah, a few questions. Um, did we hold back sales maybe. and marketing spend? You know, with, oh, no problem. With uh, do we hold back sales and marketing spend? Not really. You know, it's it just it's just the way things worked out. You know, maybe a little bit on the marketing side, but, but that's about it. But not not really. From from a gross margin perspective, our stated gross margin uh, has been between 78 and 82 percent. And you're right, Brian. We've been in the 80 percent range for for a long time. 
Um, you know, the, the beauty of Zscaler, quite frankly, is the platform and technology that's been created. When I, when I started here, uh, we we're doing 30 billion transactions per day. You know, we are doing 360 billion transactions per day right now, and we still have 80% gross margin. The benefit that we have is we can make decisions related to maximize gross margin or, you know, to get, you know, applications or get, you know, uh, applications or increase the, the strength of our product, you know, by going through public cloud. So we balance that. Um, I would expect gross margins to be in that 78, 82% long-term, you know, short-term, mid-term. I'd expect the 80%, you know, gross margin range. If we need to shift our focus, you know, with more, you know, increasing our margins, we will. But we do manage it. We do look at it. And, you know, the emerging products do carry lower gross margins. And we'll keep on innovating. We're not going to slow down building more products. Uh, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for questions today. I'd like to turn the call back over to Jay Chaudhry, CEO, for any closing remarks. My sincere thanks to our employees, our customers, and partners for delivering a strong quarter. Thank you for your interest in Zscaler. We look forward to seeing you at some of the investor conferences. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference. Thank you all for participating. You may Goodbye. now disconnect. Have a great day.